Welcome to the Jesus and Everybody podcast, the show where we talk to every guest about the intersection of Jesus and their life story. My name is Andrew Ironside, and thank you for joining us on our episode today. This week, our guest is a very good friend and my co-worker and supervisor at Youth Unlimited here in Toronto, Becky Cripps. Recently, a mutual friend put together a word board for Becky's birthday and asked people who know her to compile a list of words that define her well. And not surprising for anyone that knows Becky, words like humility and prayer and service to others, hospitality, faith, resiliency, and family were at the forefront. As you'll hear in the show today, Becky is a person of great integrity who loves God and others well and is committed to the mission and vision of Jesus. She has worked in many capacities serving youth and their families, often the most vulnerable. She has trained for countless hours in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and has a passion for all things creative. Most notably, Becky has a very strong spiritual gift of forgetting her cell phone and keys just about everywhere. Having worked alongside Becky and her husband Rob for over 13 years now, I can say that she's a truly significant person in our family's life, and I'm excited for you to be able to learn from her today. If you're interested in hearing more about the amazing work that Becky's doing with Youth Unlimited, please check out the show notes. And without further ado, as part of the Jesus and Everybody podcast, this is Becky Cripps. Welcome, Becky, to the Jesus and Everybody podcast. Thanks, Andrew. I'm glad to be here. I'm honored you asked me. Yeah, yeah. Steph and I are so excited to have you on. You're one of the first people that came to mind as we were discussing potential guests, and we appreciate so much your heart for God and loving and serving other people, and and excited for you to be able to share some of your story today. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Well, as you know, the the premise of the show, Becky, is to talk to everybody about the intersection of Jesus and their life story. And so I'll ask, I'll start by asking you about your upbringing and and what place did faith and Jesus have to do, if anything? Yeah, okay. Well, starts right at the beginning, for sure, because my parents were both believers. They were Christians. And so I've gone to church since I was a baby. I know I was dedicated in the church as a baby and I had good memories when I was little of going to church and just being part of church community and my mom just being hugely involved in the church and my dad too and I really enjoyed those memories I remember her um redecorating the whole basement of the church to look like Narnia from the C.S. Lewis books the Chronicles Mm. of Narnia and just being like in awe of what she had created it was probably bigger in my mind at the time than what it actually was but it was pretty amazing and just having really fun memories yeah so i went to church i was even baptized i think at the age of 12 because i i remember when i was very small my sister doing a puppet show for me and introducing me to the concept of jesus dying on the cross and I accepted Jesus into my heart in the living room with this pink puppet. And um, yeah, so I, I was an obedient child. I loved church. I honored my parents. But I don't know if I quite fully understood who God was as I continued to grow. And I think my life was probably more about pleasing my parents and pleasing adults in my life. When I was in grade eight, this is a good picture of where my life was sort of at. I was, um, and what sort of occurred in my life. When I was in grade eight, I remember it was a really good year for me academically. And just some of what occurred in terms of, I was student mayor for a couple of weeks for Barry. I was in a play where I was one of the lead roles. And it was, I'm not saying this to brag, I'm just saying this to show where I was at at the time. And just going to my grade eight grad winning award. So I was in a good space academically, you know, really wanting to please my teachers and my parents. And I even remember not wanting to be drawn into like just wanting to be obedient. So not wanting to be drawn into things that other kids might be getting into trouble with. Um, 
I think I remember hearing that there was going to be beer at the grade eight grad party after party. And so I chose not to go. So I was quite, you know, that good child. Um, but something totally switched for me. And in grade nine, it was less about pleasing my parents and less about pleasing, you know, adults in my life who had authority in my life. And it became more about pleasing my peers. Just, it was such a huge difference going from that grade eight grad to the summer, to the September of grade nine. Somehow with my new friends at high school, we ended up throwing a really big party that first September month. And that sort of led me onto a whole new path in my high school years. My friend and I threw the party. And so we became quickly known as a lot of fun. We had beer, you know, we were able to, with the support of some older friends, get alcohol for all the grade nines. It's just so interesting to me that my life changed so much over the course of a summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I became uh, definitely just wanting, you know, to have fun and chasing fun and wanting to be loved, wanting to I guess, be popular at parties and things like that. So there was definitely that part of my high school years. And I went from, you know, being this obedient kid in grade eight to actually being grounded for most of my grade grade nine year. <laughs> There's a huge difference. Um, and it left me, my lifestyle in high school, which was a lot of parties and just doing things that I knew weren't right with my parents weren't honoring to my parents I was lying to them a lot I was did they find out about a lot of that yeah yeah definitely found out later but even that's why I was grounded a lot of grade nine um (laughs) they would catch me lying or doing different things and they were good parents and were always trying to keep me on the straight path (laughs) yeah so I guess having the like knowing that I wasn't honoring my parents knowing I wasn't actually right with God I think in my soul I knew that and even though I was chasing fun and just doing whatever I wanted with my friends through high school I actually felt a deep emptiness and because of that there was a lot of darkness for sure in my life in those years as well because at the end of the party I always felt you know shame or sad that I made those choices or embarrassment or lonely. There was just no peace at the end of the party, but during the party, it would be fun. So that was sort of the cycle of my high school years. And I didn't know how to get out because I loved my friends and friends are everything in high school. So it it was, it was hard for me to think about how would I leave this lifestyle? I had no idea, but my parents actually ended up sending me to camp with Jinawin to their skills and leadership program, which is three weeks long. When I was 17, they signed me up and I say force, but they weren't like, it wasn't forceful. I just didn't want to go, but I went with it because I wasn't that rebellious that I would run away or anything. (laughs) So the whole way up, I was kind of like, can I please not go? And when I arrived, I was greeted by a counselor, a cabin leader named Chiquita. Her real name's Jessica Dunhood. And she was super welcoming. And although I didn't want to be there and I felt that my heart was hardened to um, really a lot of church things at that time. And I wasn't really open to the whole concept of going to a Christian camp I and so I was playing it a little bit cool for the first three days and not really getting too involved and then something on that third day actually and I forget if I was at chapel or where I was but I do know that my heart was softened to the thought of God and my heart was changed and I knew I needed Jesus and I knew I needed to I suddenly knew that I needed to repent of all that I had been doing through my high school years. And it was just this, yeah, just to think back on it is incredible. The feeling still, I know it was just this 
feeling of love, I guess, Jesus loving me and knowing I was accepted and me having a heart of repentance and feeling free from all that I had been doing. Hmm. And I did end up after that going home, like after I was done camp, I ended up going home and telling my parents everything. And I was so free from it all. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Thanks for sharing that, Becky. Uh, you talk about Camp Wajidwin. I've spent a year working there. We've brought youth up from the community here every summer. It's a, it's just a special place. Camp is is the best. I love it. It's it's so amazing for youth to get out of the city to go and spend a week up there. And I just wonder if you would touch for a minute on camp. Why is camp so special? Even today in our time, it seems almost like a thing of the past, and yet you go there and there's something incredible about being at camp for a week. Why is camp so special in the lives of children and youth? And, and what part did that have in your formation? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess my high school experiences, for the most part, if it wasn't church related, I felt unsafe a lot of the time. I felt, you know, I would do things that I just wish I hadn't or felt peer pressure from people who weren't necessarily making choices that I knew I shouldn't be making those choices. Um, camp was so different. I felt safe. And I think that's the beauty of camp, um, especially I'm going to speak to Christian camps. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience with non-Christian camps, but Camp Wajidawin and other camps that I've had experience with that are Christian, um, they are run by people who love Jesus. They, the staff who are hired are young Christian leaders who love Jesus. And through that, they want to also love other, love the children coming in and build them up and build their confidence and just have a lot of fun. So I think it's really special in that way that it's safe and that, you know, kids actually do feel loved and invested into when they go. I also think it's a whole lot of crazy fun to be away from parents, but like it's safe fun, but it makes you feel like you can still get away with some things like pranks and things like that, but not the kind of fun that I was doing before that made me feel unsafe. And there's lots of opportunities for growing in your strengths and your gifts, I think, for me, so I went to the SALT program that first year and had not been living my life for God at all. I ended up having that transformational moment, spent the next three weeks just learning about faith and, and just having fun and feeling free and able to grow in faith. And then they actually hired me on. And I don't think they might have hired me on if social media was around at the time because they might have seen some of my yeah. <laughs> that year before but I'm so thankful they did I really am and that's one of the the yucky things about social media because we all make mistakes right and we're all not perfect and especially when you're a teenager to have everything recorded right stinks but um, they did hire me on so I stayed on that summer and I just grew like I ended up loving working with campers and having I was a junior cabin leader and having campers to invest in and just have a lot of fun with it was pretty awesome for me to be able to for the first time in a long time be in a leadership role I guess so that was great and I went back the next summer and I think I've gone back almost every summer since and we bring kids as you know and that's really special to be able to still do that although so sad that camp is canceled this summer but mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it is. It's heartbreaking for all these kids that can't go during COVID. It's of all the things to be canceled. That one hurts a lot. Just, it just, does. The, it, just that, that community. And like you said, that safe place and how much do they need something like that this year? And although yeah. I know we have other programs that we're looking to run here in the city, it's yeah, you just ultimately cannot replace that experience. Yeah. And for me, um, back in the day, I needed a little bit of, of escape from what I was doing in my friend circle. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the kids we bring uh, need escape from their home life. And I know it is a safe space for them too. Mm -hmm. 
So that is unfortunate that we haven't been able to do that the last two years. And I hope and pray we can do that next year. Definitely. Um, I know at camp as well was significant because you met Rob there. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. So as, as my story continued, my faith story, you know, I was a new believer. So when I went back to high school that next year, I still wasn't like strong. I think um, there's a verse that talks about my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And so I still didn't, you know, have, I, I didn't have the strength I needed. And I ended up actually getting back into some of the things that I, like, just because I had had this transformational moment in summer with Jesus didn't mean I was perfect and I'm still not, but it was harder at the beginning for sure to have those strong convictions to do the right thing. And I ended up dating a guy that next year who wasn't a believer. And I didn't even talk about my faith because it was still, um, when I wasn't at camp, it was a hidden part of my life. So yeah, I, I, that, you know, all year long, I, I felt that in my spirit for sure, but I did like this guy. And so we dated and it was, it was the next summer when I was going back to camp and I just knew that I needed to make a decision. I, it was for the, it was the first time really that I ended up breaking up with him because he wasn't a believer. And it was the first time that I made a decision that wasn't pleasing other people or pleasing myself. It was to please God because I really did like him at the time. And it was a very difficult decision, but it was actually, uh, so it was hard at the time, but I feel God blessed me because of that decision and my life and the trajectory it went on after that decision is really neat. Like that summer I ended up, uh, I knew Rob, but we ended up, so my husband, who we've now been married for 21 years, it just felt sort of God ordained that we started to like each other that summer and ended up dating after the summer. So that's really neat. And Rob was a serious guy. He, he knew he wanted to be a pastor and in ministry since he was 14 years old. He had strong convictions. And I think God knew that I needed someone like him in my life. And, and the group of friends we made at camp who we started to hang out with were just perfect for who I needed at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I would say I'm strong. I mean, 20, how many years has it been? 23 years later, you know, I have a stronger faith now. I wouldn't be getting in that the same trouble I did back then, but I'm thankful that God doesn't reveal it all at once and he gives us help along the way. That's sort of how my life got into ministry is actually just by starting to date Rob, who already had this life plan mapped out for ministry. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about your work together with Rob and starting in a vocational job in working within a church and and serving youth in that capacity? What was that like? And then talk as well about your transition to the city. Yeah. Yeah. So we, so Rob did, he was working at a Bible college when we were dating, when we got married, um, Summit College, which we both attended. And it was actually shortly after we got married and we got married young. Like my life went into, it it went on a route that I totally didn't expect. So we got married when I was 20, because again, Rob was a serious guy and he proposed to me early and we just knew. So we got married young. He actually, shortly after we got married, ended up getting a job as a youth pastor. And I helped alongside him as a youth leader at King Bible Church for about eight years. And I also ended up going to school to Seneca College for social service worker diploma and knew that I wanted to work with people, knew that I wanted, can't put something in my heart to help people for sure. Like I just realized how much I love helping kids, wanted to work with youth. And so I went to school for that. And I ended up working in group homes actually with teenage girls, which was a very difficult job, but so needed. And 
I was in a younger, you know, it was, it was in a different time in my life. And I feel like I'd be more well equipped to do it now, but I learned a lot from my years there. And that, and we also, while we were at King, our friends, Derek and Tiffany Parento were urban missionaries with Evergreen, which is a youth drop-in center with Young Street Mission. And so they would come and speak at our church, King Bible Church, because they were supported by the church and tell stories of the work that they were doing. And that's in downtown Toronto, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And their stories really moved both Rob and I. We'd done, you know, we were working at the church and Rob was helping in the high school, but we both found that we, after hearing their stories, and it was specifically thinking about for the first time in my life, um, about how maybe a teenager would grow up in a home that was so abusive that, you know, the streets was a better spot for them, Hmm. really broke both of our hearts as we listened to some of the stories they shared of what uh, teens had been through to drive them to the streets. And so we ended up wanting to do something. It was just in both of us. We wanted to help and we wanted to get involved. And so we asked Derek how we could and ended up starting to do out trips because we had a background in outdoor pursuits. I know you have that too, Andrew, and many of our friends who went to Summit College, which was where we would learn canoeing and kayaking and rock climbing and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So we thought we were always just thinking of fun things to do as well. So we thought it would be super fun to bring a whole bunch of the youth up and working with Derek. He worked on the um, the youth setting goals. And once they reached these goals, they would get to go on these trips. And we would do about four a year. And we had the full support of King Bible Church, which was amazing. They would help um, financially support the trips. They would give food for it and one of the ladies, our friends at the church would babysit for us because by this time we had kids. So it was amazing. And we would run, for instance, one trip would be a snowboarding trip. One trip would be dog racing or dog sledding. Dog, <laughs> dog, yeah. dog, dog fighting. Yeah. Yeah. We might get reported for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so every every trip had a different, you know, sports theme and just like camp does to get these teens out into creation, out of their um, environment and be able to mentor them and talk with them and just have fun with them was hugely like it was just such an awesome experience to be a part of and to offer that and we loved it. And we would build relationships that we wanted to continue, but couldn't because we lived in Newmarket at the time. So Rob ended up, after being a youth pastor for eight years, really feeling called to be a lead pastor. He really loves, realized he loved to preach. And he decided to apply to different churches. And the one church that stood out to us was the Summit Church. He'll tell a story about how no other churches would actually look at his resume. And even, I don't think the Summit Church looked at his resume the first time, but they did the second time. And because it was in Toronto and because of the ministry we had been part of, we were both drawn to move to the city to see how we could continue to build these relationships and do church in the city. So that's how we came to Toronto. Mm -hmm. And then... So what about this work with, you talk about these youth on, on the streets and seeing them in some pretty awful circumstances. Not everyone would see that and say, hey, I want to move to the city to be closer to where people like this live. I mean, obviously people are hurting and suffering in small towns too. There's no question. But what is it about the city that, I guess, drew you guys? And how do you see your faith playing a part of that desire? Yeah, both of us have a deep compassion for people that I believe, you know, the Holy Spirit works in us and gives us different spiritual gifts. And he really has given us a heart for mercy and compassion and empathy. And I say us because we did this together, but 
I'll speak for myself a little bit more. For me, yeah, I, I really felt like hearing the stories, it was kind of a wake up call for me because I lived a really good life. I was raised by, you know, two parents who loved me and gave me a wonderful upbringing and I made some bad decisions. And I, and any one of those decisions could have actually led me to the streets because it's not always a broken home or an abusive home. It can be an addiction or mental health that can you know, where you can't cope in your home and you can't cope in any home and you end up on the streets. So there is a lot of, I think I, I had a lot of reflection at the time about just maybe not those aspects, but how I hadn't really thought about the situation that other teens might find themselves in. And so um, just having that compassion and wanting to do something about it, I guess I've always wanted to do something about things when I hear, you know, that there's brokenness in the world or pain. And so that was my way of doing something. I don't want to just listen to a story and be like, oh, that's sad. <laughs> and then do nothing. I always have this action piece, I think, to it. Yeah. Uh, that ties in, I guess, to a question I wanted to ask. And we'll see if I can connect the dots here. But you are a person, Becky, that has a heart for prayer. And you love to pray you're someone that we know often will if we're in the middle of a conversation or discussing something you'll say let's let's pause and say a prayer about this good things and challenging things and uh, i think there is a connection there between um yeah a heart of prayer but then also a desire to do something as well and and i know you guys i know that your faith journey is one of prayer and one of action and i wondered if you could just speak to that what what has God taught you about praying, I guess? And then also how does that connect with actually going and doing something? Because I think a lot of people might find themselves like you see in the States, for example, a lot of these posts that come up thoughts and prayers. And then the other side, people say like, that doesn't do anything. Like it's not, not helping anyone to sit and think about them or pray. You got to actually make change or the same cycles will keep repeating themselves. So what does it mean for as a Christian to, to kind of do both, if that makes sense? Yeah. Well, I think when, you know, talking about my earlier Christian days, my prayer life wasn't as strong or I didn't pray as much. I think really when I got into my missionary work with Youth Unlimited, that's when my prayer life grew and taught me what prayer can be and what prayer can look like and how much closer I can be with God through my prayer life, which I love. Um, and how he directs me through it, because we have, when we when we accept Jesus into our lives, we actually and and want to follow him. We're actually given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and so it's the Holy Spirit that intercedes for us in our prayer life and helps us to have the heart of God in these situations and scenarios. And so, I do like to start with prayer so that. I can hear from God on what he feels about these situations or if a specific person comes to mind, I want to pray for them. I want to intercede on their behalf because I know, which I didn't necessarily know early in my, in our ministry years, when we started to help out with youth at Young Street Mission I maybe thought I wanted to be the change, but now in my older years, I've just learned so much that it's so much less about me and so much more about God doing a work in people's lives. And he blesses us and is able to allow, like he allows us to be a part of it, which I'm so thankful for. Um, he asks us to be the hands and feet, right? His hands and feet here on earth but he also empowers us by the Holy Spirit and he gives us the Holy Spirit to intercede on behalf of other people and to be in communion with God. So there's a lot there. I don't fully understand prayer, mm -hmm. but I know that it directs our heart into action. And it also is when we pray, we are showing that we trust Jesus with mm -hmm. the scenario. And that's been huge for me. That's probably 
why I pray so much because I take on a lot of people's burdens just the way my personality is and how I'm wired when I you know I heard those stories early on and I wanted to do something and I took on those burdens very deeply but when I spend time in prayer I'm giving those burdens back to God and trusting him with them and ultimately he 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 cares for those people he knows them he created them and so but I I also know that he created us to do good works you know so I think it's important to also do actions but mm-hmm. yeah it's understanding and being wise about what to do and when to do it <laughs> yeah yeah I like that idea of like he's talking about the burden and some people listening would really resonate with that when they see the hurt or the suffering of other people that just they can't help but be moved by it and not just move to say, okay, have a nice day. But like you, you, you think about it as you go through your day and, and then how you bring that, I guess, in prayer to God, like you said, and that spurs you to action. I do think that prayer and action go together beautifully. Just in our ministry and Andrew, you're a part of this, but we continually, you know, start, our meetings in prayer because we understand that it is Jesus who directs us and Jesus who is leading much of our ministry uh, as he's called us to it. And so this past year with COVID um, being, you know, canceled, we had to cancel everything. We had all these big in-person programs and when COVID happened and we had to cancel everything, it was very hard to know what steps to take next and it was probably about two weeks after two or three weeks after at first I was like oh this is nice to have a little bit of a rest and then I was starting to get anxious about what do we do next and we just decided to call the team together and pray and ask God for direction on how we could love the youth in our community because that's our call and how to help people in this very difficult time. And once we prayed and brainstormed ideas, and we didn't have a lot of ideas at the time, I don't think. (laughs) I remember that first week after we had this this prayer meeting and brainstorming, probably what I like to do is look for where is God leading and in each day looking for answers and clues from God to how he's leading. And two days after we had that prayer meeting, I got an email from a friend whose husband had a connection with MLSE for food for dinners. And she was actually looking to connect with light patrol, um, another program of youth unlimited, but I, it suddenly occurred to me that maybe we could use some of those meals for the youth and families in our community who were in need or needed encouragement and single moms who were working and doing school and everything. And I really truly feel like God led that and all year long he's led our team and we have continued to go to prayer first to trust God with it. And then we've gone to action as he leads us. And we have to look for those ways that we can put it to action and look for how God's leading us, but he's led us well. Can you talk a little bit more about your work now with Youth Unlimited and our team here in South Central Etobicoke? Yeah, so my role is director in South Central Etobicoke. I actually switched over to this role about four years ago. I was with Light Patrol, which is the mobile outreach that Youth Unlimited has for um, homeless and street-involved youth, and Andrew's been a part of it and his wife. And I switched over because I wanted, well, we had brought in my nephew at the time. He's now our, our adopted son, but we had brought him into our home. So I now had four kids, and that same year, my mom got very sick, and so I had a lot on my plate in terms of family. So ended up um, moving over to South Central Etobicoke because I wanted to be able to integrate my kids into the programs and our church. 
into what I did. I felt stretched thin across the city at the time when I was at Light Patrol if, with all that was going on in my family. And it's been really such a pleasure to work with you, Andrew, to work with Faye here in South Central Etobicoke and our team. We have a team now of seven and we have many volunteers from seven churches in Etobicoke. Andrew runs the Lakeshore Soccer League and programs in the Lakeshore and does youth outreach in the Lakeshore. And then we have a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu program. And we have Level Up, uh, a youth leadership program for one year, which seven churches are partnered in. And during COVID, we've been quite creative because God's led us in different ways. So we've been doing a lot of food relief and delivering pizza door-to-door to online students and alpha and art. So it's been, it's just a blast to do this job. I love it. And our goal is to see youth lives transformed and for them to transform this part of the city. And I just love it. I believe in it. <laughs> That's awesome. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how you see God using you specifically to serve other people, it could be now in this context or in recent years? Well, it's a hard question, Andrew, to speak about yourself in such a way. But I do, I hope that when people interact with me, that I'm pointing them to God in some way. It may not be through my words, but through my actions. I hope that they feel loved and yeah, I, I, I want everything I do to be about pointing to God and the hope and peace and joy a relationship with Jesus brings. Uh, when do you feel closest to God, Becky? I would say definitely when I'm using my spiritual gifts. So in the Christian faith, God has created us all with different strengths and he empowers us to do these spiritual gifts that he's created us so for me it's hospitality so having people into my home i love it and i haven't been able to do that so much but i i do love just making sure that people who may feel on the outside are included and welcoming people in and I feel close to God when I'm using my gifts that way. Um, also, when people are in crisis and I'm able to bring that crisis to God's attention, praying for them and just being a listening ear, I do feel close to God because I'm so dependent on God in those moments. Yeah, I really noticed that this year specifically. Um, and then, you know, spending time in Bible study, I love. I love to study the Bible and I love to just contemplate and take time and sit with, you know, God's words. And sometimes I'll have read a passage one year and the next year, it'll, you know, just jump out at me in a whole new way. And I feel very close to God in those moments because he's speaking to me through those words. You mentioned hospitality and that's, I can definitely affirm that for you and for Rob, you guys, since as long as I can remember, had us into your home and so many people, you know, even with young kids, you'd let us stay till 1230, one in the morning, sometimes talking about life and faith and sharing meal and having coffee and tea. And yeah, it's something special. And I, and I think COVID has really driven that point home that we need this stuff and like how much we long for those things. Um, We're keeping, so we, you know, our playground in our, backyard we are thinking of getting rid of it because our kids are all grown but just so you know when we can have you guys over again we're keeping it with ruby and Gordian. <laughs> amazing and little kids <laughs> and i'm sure rob uses it once in a while too every but... once in a while he goes down a slide yes <laughs> no i appreciate that and that is yeah just again to affirm that and, and to acknowledge and thank you guys for your heart for that, that you'd, you'd leave a large structure in your backyard so that other people's kids can come. Um, how does that connect with the heart of Jesus, Becky? Mm-hmm. Well, I love, I love Jesus' example of 
welcoming little children in when when his disciples were shooing them away and saying they're not important like no go away and he is like no they're important and welcoming them in i i just love his example in that and also who he chose to dine with was not all the righteous and the religious leaders at the time he chose to dine with the sinners and people who needed to hear his truth and to be healed and to experience his love and to experience belonging. And so he gives such a, obviously the perfect example of hospitality and welcoming vulnerable, you know, little ones in or people who just need to experience healing and belonging. You mentioned that word belonging. That's been a theme, one of the themes for our team in the last couple of years, and trying to incorporate that into the work that we do, that youth and their families would f- feel like they really belong. What does that word mean? Yeah, yeah. What does that word mean to you? I, I love it. I, I, I love the idea. Like youth, teenage years are such a hard time of life, and you know, there's so many insecurities happening and, you know, trying to figure out who, who are my people, how am I loved, yearning for love. And so we have really wanted as a team to make sure that all youth in our community know that they're welcome into our programs and it doesn't matter their gender, their race, their ethnicity, they're welcome in no matter if they have lots of money or little money we subsidize all of our programs because we want to make sure that every child and every teen can participate and so just having a a place of belonging and to know that they're valued and you do this incredibly Andrew if I can speak about you for a bit (laughs) um just holistically caring for each youth and you know, recognizing not just the fact that they are a player on one of the soccer teams, but actually seeing their story, the family who has raised them, their personality, their needs, and caring for them. And I think that's what creating a space of belonging is, is seeing them and welcoming them in and making it about them. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard, you're right, to talk True. about those things, but it's good to share that, yeah, just what I think God has done in and through us. Um, two of the other words that we focused on have been peace and joyful service. Can you speak yeah. to those as well? And I, and I wonder if they're all connected somehow. Yeah, well, um, yeah, we focused on peace because well, definitely with teens, we've seen an uprise in anxiety and specifically with COVID, teens are struggling in terms of their mental health and anxiety and depression. And so we, a couple years ago, actually prayed about this and really discerned that we wanted to focus on bringing peace to youth because yet, yeah, it's, it's a gift. It's actually the Bible speaks about as we accept Christ. And this is what, if we go back to my original story of my own faith journey, I did not have peace in my teen years. And it wasn't until I accepted Jesus and repented of all that I had been doing, I felt peace for the first time. And that's the kind of peace we want to bring to youth, a freedom. And so that we teach about it and we have prayed about it a lot but really that has to be those god-ordained moments that god has with our youth right and where they finally realize that they can trust god and he brings peace and the bible also talks about jesus gave us the gift of peace which is the holy spirit too and we can receive that as we accept Jesus and it's just an awesome gift to receive. And so I hope our youth experience it. It's so freeing and I, I'm not perfect in it. So I will have to say that 
I still struggle in my adult years with anxiety. And I think that's probably another reason why my prayer life is the way it is, because I have to remind myself continually that God is in control and that I can trust Jesus in circumstances. And so it's an ongoing discipline of seeking, you know, to trust God in all things to, to receive that peace. But in the hardest of moments, he really does bring peace. I've experienced that too. Um, you know, I'll share a little bit about my family situation. So my, there's a lot of health issues in my family. My dad has multiple sclerosis that he got when I was 16, where he was partially paralyzed from the waist down and in the hospital for a couple of weeks. And it's been a progressive, you know, it's been a progressive disease since that time. He's in a wheelchair, but very independent and, and incredible. <laughs> and my mom though, about six years ago, who actually was caring for my dad a lot, doing groceries and errands and things, ended up being diagnosed with Lewy body and Parkinson's, which is a dementia, a fast paced dementia. And she was super young, like 64. So it's quite tragic for our family. And it's been really difficult. And it's only through Jesus that I have found peace over the last six years dealing with, you know, seeing my mom's health and her personality and her abilities um, deteriorate. And so I just think about our youth and what they experience and the many hardships. And I want them to know the peace that I've been able to have in the hardest of circumstances, because I trust God with my mom's life and my dad's life and my life. And um, joyful service is we just know that it's good for kids to I mean, the great commandment to love the Lord your God and to love others as yourself. It's good to love others as yourself and to serve others. So we want to teach our youth to serve those around them. And so that's been a, a priority for us too. Thanks, Becky, for sharing that. You're welcome. You talk about some of the challenges with your, your family's health and, and seeing the peace of God in that. And I know that you, again, bring so much of that to prayer. Can you just speak to the idea of what it means to pray in the midst of our suffering and, and our grief? Because I think people wrestle with that when they, they're trying to follow God and yet they see people that they love in pain and they're praying and it doesn't seem like God is answering how do you kind of reconcile those things? And again, how does that connect with peace? Mm -hmm. I don't have all the answers and I have wrestled a lot with this. I mean, we've prayed for healing for my dad, for my mom, even for my daughter who was diagnosed with Charcot-Marie tooth disease, which is another progressive neuro neurological disease. We, yeah, I've prayed lots for their healing and you know in life I have seen God answer many many prayers and do miracles in my life and in others lives but he hasn't chosen to heal my parents and he hasn't chosen to heal my daughter yet I continue to pray but I think it comes down to also trusting God even in the suffering and experiencing his grace for each new day i guess like um that that became a saying for me when we were in the when i was in the hardest of days caring for my mom yeah it's hard to talk about but it was some really really difficult days and I just started praying to God to give grace for that day to get through it. And he did. He got, he got me through it. He's got our family through it. And some of the things that I think I would have dreaded in life and can imagine, you know, I've been through now and I've come out on the other side and God has carried 
me and our family through them. And the grief isn't done. My, um, my mom is in a home and I haven't actually been able to see her for a year because of COVID. So I continue to wrestle with this topic, but I think it's okay to grieve and lament. And, you know, there's all sorts of examples in the Bible of the sorrows. And I think Jesus is an incredible example. Again, he's the man of sorrows who took on the sin of the world on the cross and suffered in ways that we wouldn't, we have no clue to how he suffered just so that he could relate to us in our prayers and take on sin and give us and give us life. And so he is good and safe to go to in our times of grief. And I do have hope as well. And I, I'm so thankful I have faith in Jesus and the resurrection and the resurrection of, you know, those in my life who have passed I think of Revelation 21 often when I think of suffering because it's a hope that I can look to it talks about there will be a new heaven and a new earth there'll be no more dying no more tears no more pain and that I clung to that scripture when I did a lot of street ministry work because I heard stories that were unfathomable and just seeing the pain so many people were in and crying out to God with them and for them. And I don't think, well, I know God doesn't always heal on this side of heaven. <laughs> and that's hard to come to terms with because I know he can. And I don't know all of his purposes and I'm not God. And so that's what I've come to terms with, but I've also experienced his deep care in the midst of suffering. Thanks for being so honest there and vulnerable, Becky. And you, I've heard you speak about one of the Psalms as well that speaks about crying out to God. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, Psalm 88 is i mean there's many psalms with many emotions which are so good to direct our prayers but psalm 88 talks about darkness is my closest friend and it's it shows that it's just a it shows that lament is okay these are inspired words you know by god and um sometimes darkness is something that we experience and it's okay to pray out and cry out in anger and cry out in grief and sometimes i think my so through this experience i have you know some people will try to console you and i have no judgment on anybody who has said things to me at all but i'm kind of just learning as i go along for what I should say when people are going through painful moments and to, you know, I spoke about Revelation 21 that we have hope and a new, a new heaven and a new earth and to fast forward too quickly and to go there when someone is in pain and sorrow. I think it's it's sometimes not helpful that as Christians, we do that for each other. <laughs> we try to go to the hope of heaven. <laughs> and I think it, sometimes it's better to sit in the grief with the person. Because we know that, but I think sometimes it's important when people are suffering to have no words, just hug, um, to just grieve with people because there's a time for grieving. There's a time for celebration. There's a time for joy. And so I think 
that's something I've learned through this whole process. And even my time, you know, working at Light Patrol and working with, with youth for so many years who, you know, have just been through horrific things. There's a time to just sit and, and listen and to love them and to not fast forward to the hope. But then it is, it is hopeful. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I think that's very wise, Becky, to, to sit in both. And I think, well, I believe in Jesus, we see that again, that example of him like crying with people and mourning and watching the suffering and the hurt of people. And it breaks his heart and he's even angry at the way the world is and how broken it is and how far from God people have gone and how cruel people have been to each other. And yet also speaking of hope and like you said, of resurrection and of life. Mm -hmm. um, so I think what you're saying is very much near to the heart of God. Yeah. And I look at people like Joni Erickson, who has been a quadriplegic her entire life and has suffered so much. I've read some of her books, you know, God can, can take our suffering and our, the worst things of life and make them beautiful. And so I have seen that too in suffering, mm -hmm. you know, what we would never want to experience. He can make something beautiful from. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Thank you. Um, we're almost done. I wanted to ask, a question about the influence other people have had in your life and as it pertains to faith. So if you could name three people who you would say have shaped or influenced your, your faith in Jesus. I kind of want to push back on this question because really <laughs> you won't be the first. I have a really long list of people who shaped my life. I will say that you know, my husband, Rob, has obviously been a huge influence in my life and continues to be um, a rock in my life and sharpens me, you know, our conversations constantly about God and life and the many in between things. It's been just a pleasure and a joy to be married to him all these years. And my parents have just been an incredible example of love and sacrifice and I've really just you know their testimony is very powerful for me to watch and and um, to have seen and to be raised by them so I'll say those three but I am missing a long list of other people mm. no that's great thank you so much um, I do actually have one last question uh, we spend a lot of time in our job working with youth and that's again as you said such a heartbeat for you and for Rob to, to work with youth in our communities, uh, especially here in Etobicoke and Mississauga. Um, for those, if, you know, if there are youth listening to you today, what's one thing that you'd like them to know about Jesus? Oh yeah, I, I like this question. Um, for any youth listening to this, I would pray and hope that they would know the freedom of Jesus for themselves that I experienced many years ago the peace that brought to me and the guiding of the Holy Spirit in my life all these years has been just so incredible. I feel so blessed. It hasn't been an easy life, but it's been a blessed life. And I want every youth to experience that. Becky, how can people learn more about the work that you're doing here? I don't know if you mentioned it, but obviously you do a lot of fundraising for your own salary as a missionary here serving youth in the city and the program costs, how can people find out more and if it's on their heart to contribute financially to, to get involved? Thank you for offering that. We have a website, which is southcentralatobico.yugta.ca and there, all of our programs and events are on the website and we have get involved if we, we are hiring some positions so if you're interested in getting involved or you know being a soccer coach this summer there's a place there and then you can donate um on the donate link and 
thank you for letting me share that. Mm -hmm. And I'll share that information in the show notes too, so that people can check that out. Um, thank you so much, Becky, for, as you said, your vulnerability, your honesty today. I think this is important that people get a chance, a glimpse into uh, your heart and to hear what God has taught you in your life. And I, and I do think people will be moved and inspired by what you said today. So thank you uh, for your time and, and uh, really appreciate this. Thanks, Andrew. I love what you're doing with this podcast. I've enjoyed listening to, you know, the past few people who I know. And anyway, I, I really love this podcast and I love that you're doing it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Becky. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye.